Without any context, uh, Matthew 4, verse 18, the calling of the first disciples uh, has got to be one of the silliest, stupidest stories in all the Gospels. And hopefully you'll see what I mean. Uh, The calling of the first disciples. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Okay, did Jesus just make the best pun of all time? (laughs) I mean, it seems very nonsensical. Uh, You know, they're fishermen. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Maybe you could say like there's more context here. Like maybe they had heard of Jesus before and they're like, okay, I'm going to overlook this kind of poor taste pun that you have going on here. But maybe there's more going on. So if we go back to Jeremiah 16, we have a very, very important prophecy and uh, it may connect here with fishermen. So the whole book of Jeremiah is at one point really hopeful, but at another point, um, very... (laughs) despairing, mostly because when Jeremiah is writing, um, we have Jerusalem and Judea becoming extremely corrupt. Already the northern tribes have been deported by the Assyrians that I've talked about in previous podcasts. Um, And what Jeremiah is prophesying now is that the Babylonians are going to come and going to deport Jerusalem and Judea because they have also been wicked. So in chapter 16, we have the the word of the Lord came to me. You must not marry and have sons or daughters in this place. For this is what the Lord says about the sons and daughters born in this land and about the women who are their mothers and the men who are their fathers. They will die of deadly diseases. They will not be mourned or buried, but will be like dung lying on the ground. They will perish by sword and famine and their dead bodies will become food for the birds and the wild animals. Wow. Okay. This is a pretty intense. Yeah. He's saying, don't even get married. Don't even have kids at this point because they're all going to die of diseases and you're going to perish by sword and famine. Man, Jeremiah's harsh here. And because the Babylonians are about to come and deport them for this is what the Lord says. Do not enter a house where there is a funeral funeral meal. Do not go to, to mourn or show sympathy. Because I have withdrawn my blessing, my love and my pity from this people, declares the Lord. Both high and low will die in this land. They will not be buried or mourned, and no one will cut themselves or shave their head for the dead. And do not enter a a house where there is feasting and sit down to eat and drink. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Before your eyes and in your days, I will bring an end to the sounds of joy and gladness and to the voices of bride and bridegroom in this place. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Once again, this is very harsh. Now, uh, the rest of the earlier previous parts in Jeremiah really explain how wicked Jerusalem had become and how wicked Judah had become and the need for the deportation. In verse 10, when you tell these people all this and they ask you, why has the Lord decreed such a great disaster against us? What wrong have we done? What sin have we committed against the Lord our God? Then say to them, it is because your ancestors forsook me, declares the Lord. And followed other gods and served and worshipped them. They forsook me and did not keep my law. 
but you have behaved more wickedly than your ancestors. See how all of you are following the stubbornness of your evil hearts instead of obeying me. So I will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your ancestors have known, and there you will serve other gods day and night, for I will show you no favor. Man, it just God just keeps doubling down. So the disaster that's going to be brought upon Jerusalem is because of their, their wickedness and their forsaking of God. Okay, now everything changes in verse 14. However, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but it will be said, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore, restore them to the land I gave their ancestors. This is an enormous prophecy. <laughs> Jeremiah 16 is a, a crazy prophecy. So remember, Jeremiah is preaching to Jews in Jerusalem and to the people who lived in Judah. If you remember back again, when David in the Old Testament had united all 12 tribes under his kingdom, then you had all of Israel united under the Davidic kingdom. But what happened is, the north and the south split. The 10 northern tribes made their own kingdom and the two southern tribes made their own kingdom. And because the northern tribes stopped worshiping the Lord God and worshiping in Jerusalem, the Assyrian empire came and destroyed the northern Israelites and deported them to all the nations. Now, Jeremiah is preaching to the Jews and he's saying basically something that is pretty much impossible. So the northern Israelites had been so scattered and deported in diaspora all over the, the world, basically, at that point, that it seemed impossible. I mean, it's literally impossible that the Lord could bring them up out of the land of the north and out from all the countries where he banished them. But this is what Jeremiah prophesied, that you know the Israelites were known as being the ones whom the Lord brought up out of Egypt. But this is what Jeremiah says, however, the days are coming, says the Lord, when it will no longer be said as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but it will be said as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore them to the land I gave their ancestors. This seems like an utterly impossible, crazy task, but God is promising it in verse 14, 15, and 16. Okay, now we have verse 16. But now, behold, I will send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. And that I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down on every mountain and hill and from the crevices of the rocks. My eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. I will repay them double for their wickedness and their sin, because they have defiled my land with the lifeless forms of their vile images and have filled my inheritance with their detestable idols. Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in time of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, Our ancestors possessed nothing but false gods, worthless idols that did them no good. Do people make their own gods? Yes, but they are not gods. Therefore, I will teach them. This time I will teach them my power and might. Then they will know that my name is the Lord. Okay. All right, so now we go back to Matthew 4, and we get it. Okay, so we have these fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And why is this important? Well, 
because the Lord declares in Jeremiah 16, I'm going to send for many fishermen. So when when uh, Andrew, Simon Peter, James, and John hear this, they don't just think, wow, this Jesus guy's really funny. He tells a lot of puns. By the way, that, that's one of the worst puns ever. Calling a fisherman, I'm going to make you fishermen. Just in my opinion. But if it's a reference to Jeremiah 16, we'll, we'll let Jesus get away with it here. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It, it's, I'm going to send for many fishermen. So what the apostles' mission, what they understand about that is that, that Christ is calling them to restore the lost tribes of Israel. And, and this is what, in Acts of the Apostles, what the, uh, what the apostles asked, you know, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they, the apostles see their role of restoring all Israel as being, you know, why they're there, right? Um, and it's only through the church. Now, how does the church accomplish this? Well, by spreading out to all the world. Here's the, here's the if then. If the Israelites are scattered among the nations and it's impossible to even identify them, well, you just got to go out to all the nations. <laughs> and this is what it says in verse 19. Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in time of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and confess that they have nothing but false gods, and the Lord will teach them. So not only is the Lord going to send the fishermen to bring back the Israelites who have been banished, but he's also going to bring all the nations to come to him. So this is what's happening in verse 18 onwards. And in the story right before it, we have now, this is verse 12 in chapter 4. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and dwelt in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, towards the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, Isaiah 9 is also a, <laughs> a very, is a, a extremely interesting prophecy. So in Isaiah 9, it's just a, oh my goodness, it's fantastic. Okay, we'll read some of it. But there will be no more gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. And this is the same area where we have, for a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall be endless. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will, of host will do this. So the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, that's quoted here in Isaiah 9. So the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the actual center point where they, they intersect, these two uh, tribes, is at Capernaum. And so it's very significant that Jesus makes his headquarters of his ministry in Capernaum in the north country, because that's the spot where the Assyrians began to take the, Samar the uh, take all the Israelites and deport them. 
And so what Jesus is doing in dwelling in Capernaum, and it's smack dab in between Zebulun and Naphtali in the north country. So remember, keep our map in our head here. Jerusalem and Judea is in the south. Samaria is in the middle of that. And then the north country is Galilee. And so in Zebulun and Naphtali at Capernaum, that's where Christ makes his ministry because he is going to preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So, I mean, this is, it's extreme, you know, it's the gospel of the kingdom. Christ as the son of David, as the inheritor of the Davidic throne, and he's calling for his fishermen. So Jeremiah 16, Isaiah 9, and it's, it's, uh, it's just a, you know, fantastic um, prophecy here. And it fulfills the hope that the Israelites would have had. You know, it's it's hard for us who don't live in their context to kind of step into their shoes. But, you know, if their hope is for this Davidic kingdom to be restored, you know, it seems like it's only going to be the Jews who are going to be a part of it because the Israelites are thrown all to the nations. But this is what Isaiah, this is what Jeremiah prophesies, and this now is what Jesus is fulfilling. And you can see that's the reason why Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John leave everything they have to take on this mission that Christ is claiming to accomplish. So that's going to wrap it up for that. We'll see you in the next one.